Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Robert Moss with us. His latest book, Growing Big Dreams. We'll tell you how you can get this book in just a moment. Robert, we were talking about the crisis of imagination. I'll let you finish up, and then we've got a million other great questions well, for I'm you. I'm still recovering from the report that Ouija boards are being sold in England. Oh, I know it. You know, you've <laughs> got to watch what you invite into your space. That's you know, right. Very relevant the subject of dreaming and imagination. What are you going to invite in? Are you going to open your windows in the night and say, whoever's out there, come on in and party? I mean, a Ouija board is a bit like that. We've had all these horror films telling us, like The Exorcist, telling us where a Ouija board can lead. One of the things I say to people very rationally is, you're going to go dreaming, particularly if you're going to extend it to astral projection, OBEs, that kind of stuff. You better be careful, you know, about the neighborhoods that you frequent and about what you invite into your space. So I'm still recovering from the news that, you know, my friends in England are just selling Ouija boards for a pound. That is very <laughs> You want to use your imagination a lot better than that. Uh, absolutely. Dreaming is a very powerful thing, though, isn't it? It's huge. And you know what, George? I've noticed since the pandemic uh, came upon us that more people are willing to talk about dreams, share dreams, and seek guidance on dreams than before. Lots of people who wouldn't open up about dreams are doing it now, partly because people are looking for sources and resources beyond the obvious, partly maybe because they've got more time, partly maybe because, you know, they're shut up with a few people and they want something new to talk about. And one element in the dreams that are being shared, I mean, lots of them are anxiety dreams, lots of dreams reflect the trauma and the, you know, the concern about the world around us. But one of the most fascinating aspects of dreaming today in terms of the increase in reports and the type of report is lots of people are talking about dreaming about those who have died. And the dreams, by and large, are not anxiety dreams, by and large. And I see many dreams. I could read 200 dream reports a day if I wanted to, because mm-hmm. I'm a teacher and a leader. Um, many of the reports that I see are dreams in which people are seeing people, including some who've died during the, uh, the virus pandemic, yeah. uh, who are doing okay on the other side, and they're learning from the dreams that there's life beyond life, Consciousness survives death. You might be okay. You might even have a good situation on the other life. And you might, if you're approaching death yourself, have good people who are waiting for you. So I actually see in the patterns of dreamings during the pandemic that there is this very positive aspect. People are becoming more willing to recognize that one of the things dreaming teaches us, I have no theology about this, but this is something that is in my experience and my observation for many years, I think they're learning from dreaming is that consciousness or soul survives death. That's an important thing to know. You might have been taught it by your faith or your church. It's important to know it firsthand, and that's one of the things that dreaming can tell you when your departed come calling on you or you find yourself in their realm. And lots more people are talking about this kind of thing. I think this is very important, and at a time when death is all around us, it's a very important thing for us to focus on. When we dream, how come some people just don't remember their dreams? That's a lot of us. Well, we don't have any, we haven't had any social support for one thing. I mean, there's no no social advantage, no social reward to sharing dreams. And many people, you know, just let them go. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to start remembering your dreams, you need a kind of basic practice. The most basic practice is to get yourself a notebook or a pretty journal, if you like, and write something down every day. You don't have a dream. You write something down in the morning, what you feel, you know, whatever's going through your mind. And when you do that, you're saying to your dream producers, some dreams are like movies that we feel are being made for us. That's right. The curtain of the world. You're saying to your dream producers, I'm here, I'm listening, I'm ready to record. And you might find that that in itself changes things. Another thing that can help is to have a way when you do have dreams 
of sharing them in which you can get some helpful feedback from someone else and be guided towards appropriate action. I invented a process for doing that, which is a simple four-step process for sharing dreams or stories and getting towards some kind of action. And, you know, there's something else you can do, a couple of other things very briefly. You know, you might think you've got nothing, but you might have just the smallest little fragment. Maybe it's a bit of a song. Maybe it's a sense of color. You can play with that. Hold that in your mind. Play with it under the shower. See if something more comes to you. So don't blow off your fragments if you haven't been a dream recaller. And finally, for now, you know, the world around you will speak to you in the manner of a dream. Uh, you know, there are signs and symbols and synchronicity at play all around us in everyday life. And part of my practice as a practical dreamer, a walking open-eyed dreamer, is when I go out in the street, I don't travel as much as I used to, the first unusual, unexpected thing that comes into my field of perception I will receive as a dream for the day, you know, a signal of some kind. It might be that overheard conversation on the cell phone. Mm -hmm. It might be that kid's chalk drawing on the sidewalk. It might be the behavior of that dog. So I will be prepared going out into the street to receive absolutely the first thing that enters my field of perception as something like a dream, speaking to me from the world around you. When you're wanting to play that game of looking for dreamlike signs and symbols around you, it's funny, it sometimes opens the faucets and the dreams of the night start coming through. Now, with dreams, there's also nothing more exhilarating, Robert, than waking up to a great dream. Whether, oh, you know, yes. it's, it's a relationship yes. or your job or something, but yes. if it ends happy, yes. it's great, isn't yes. it? I mean, I was feeling rather blah earlier today, George, not because I was coming on your show, but come the <laughs> afternoon, I thought I'm going to take a nap, I'm not feeling too great. I had this tiny little dream. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the grounds of some grand country house, maybe an island, and there are huge blackberry bushes which they've allowed to grow wild and free on this otherwise manicured lawn, and some people have piled up a great pyramid or can of blackberries. I love blackberries. Oh, I, but I do too. And I eating do the too. blackberries, and I wake up with the taste of blackberries in my mouth, feeling so juiced, so energized, so happy. It's like my dream producer said, okay, let's get him revved up to George's show. Let's make, he, let's make sure he's not going on feeling dull and down. And this tiny little dream, I wake from it so happy. I've got the taste of the blackberries on my mouth. I remember as a kid, I used to love to wade into those huge, you know, spiked blackberry bushes, come out bleeding with a, with a pail full of blackberries in my hand. So sometimes it doesn't have to be a big story. It doesn't have to be an epic but there's a sort of homeostatic pattern in some of these dreams. Some of them can revive us. And here's something else to know about dreams right now, George, and it's very important in these shutdown times of pandemic. You can be as social as you darn well like in your dreams. You know, you can get out and about, you're mask-free, mm -hmm. meet anybody you like, have whatever degree of the hug, contact with them you like, and you can travel without leaving home. You can absolutely go wherever you like. Uh, in some version of this world or beyond this world. So these are great aspects of dreaming. Uh, you can set your destination and do destination travel. I'd like to go to Paris tonight. You know, I'd like to go to the Ozarks. I'd like to go to Transylvania. I'd like to go to Atlantis. I'd like to go to the astral realm of the moon. And you might get there. So, you know, these, these are great advantages of dreaming, whether you regard it as entertainment or education or initiation, all of these things are possible, and I think they're more important than ever. I think more people are interested than they ever were before because of the conditions of the pandemic. Robert, what are nightmares trying to tell us? 
Well, first of all, let's be clear about the vocabulary. A nightmare is more than a bad dream. A nightmare in my lexicon, this is me talking, you won't necessarily find this in other people's books. A nightmare is just a, not just a bad dream, it's an interrupted dream. You don't like it, you dislike it so much you want to run away and get out of it. Yep. And I think that whatever's going on in a nightmare is something you need to know, you need to recognize. It might be a challenge coming into your life of any kind. The nightmare might reflect the Jungians would say some shadow aspect of yourself that you haven't recognized, part of you that you put in the basement like a prisoner because you won't recognize that the nightmare might contain a challenge that is looming in your life, whether it's a challenge to your health or your job or your marriage or something else that you haven't wanted to look at. But whatever exactly is going on in that scary dream that you run away from, you want to learn to get back into that space and confront it and deal with it. Okay, the bad dreams are just so awful, you just want to spit them out. You can do that too. But there's a certain kind of nightmare, and particularly if it's a recurring situation, that you need to face because the truth of the matter is, and Jung said something like this, if you don't face that on its own ground, it's likely to come after you in physical life and bite you in the rear end or somewhere else. So I counsel people, as you're scared of something in a dream and you run away from it and leave it as a broken dream, a nightmare, you want to learn to do something that is fundamental to my teaching and practice. You learn to, you need to learn to put yourself back in that space. Imagine you can re-enter that space, go back right into that space, face the monster, open the locked door, deal with the situation if you can on its own ground. Out of that can come healing and clarity and information. And you might sometimes find that what is scaring you in your dream is actually an ally or a power in, in disguise. Can I tell a brief story about that? Oh, absolutely. Sure thing. Okay, when I first started living in North America, I started dreaming of bears in a way I didn't remember from my earlier life. You know, I grew up in Australia. Of bears? Very bears. Okay. Bears. Bears. Ah, those kind of bears. They're very cute, but they're not bears. Um, and, and I started dreaming of bears in a different way. There was a huge bear is trying to get into my space. I'm scared. It's not attacking me, but it's so big, I'm scared of it. And finally, I said to myself, this is many, many years ago, I said, okay, I got to go back in this dream and face the bear and try to understand what's going on. So I sit down in an easy chair, no drumming, no special aids. I just imagine I'm in front of the bear and the bear is right there and he's big and he's rank and he's feral (laughs) and I'm scared. And I will myself to go up to the bear in this imagined scene and confront the bear and try and understand what's going on. And the bear wraps his great arms around me. I think I'm gone. He's going to crush my rib cage, but it's a gentle hug suddenly we're the same size, and as it evolves, he says to me, mind to mind, look at the heart. And I look at the heart, George, and I see my heart and the heart of the bear are joined by something like a thick umbilical cord, pumping energy back and forth, and I understand that the bear and I are joined at the heart, and the bear says to me, mind to mind, call on me and I'll show you what you need for healing, and I'll help you to help other people find healing. And that promise has been kept ever since. So it became a very big story in my life. I found an ally. I found an ally. We can all do with a psychic or spiritual ally in life. I found the bear because the bear came to me. But I had to brave up to face him. What I thought was a scary dream or nightmare was actually an invitation to claim a connection and a power that I could not have claimed had I been unable to brave up. Because you've got to brave up to find the support of the greater power. So that's what I learned then. And that's what I bring into my interaction with other people when they're having scary dreams. Maybe there's a power to be claimed behind your fear. 
if you can manage to step through the fear and face the challenge and find out what it is. I had a dream. Let me briefly tell you about it before the break, Robert. And uh, right. with a little background, went to the University of Detroit in Michigan, got my com- degree in uh, communications. You needed 128 credit hours in order to get your BA degree, and that's what I had, 128 credit hours. When I was 19, I got a job at a television station in Detroit. When I was 21, I got a full-time job as a radio reporter in Detroit. I had to switch my classes from daytime to nighttime. And I promised my dad, Dad, I'm going to get the degree in four years. Don't worry. We'll do it. And I did. And I did. But all of a sudden, I started waking up with these horrible dreams that I was a credit hour short. And I didn't get my degree. And I, I was so upset about this, Robert, that I got my diploma and put it by my bed, so when I woke up every morning, I would see my degree. What the heck was going on with me? Well, I would think that maybe there's another test coming up. Maybe, if that's, if that's my sequence, if those are my dreams, I think maybe there is another test. In a sense, I'm going to have to earn one more credit. Even though I did all that, what is the new test? What is the new credit I'm going to be, going to be prepared to bone up for, to be prepared for? That's what I would think, because life is a school, isn't it? Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.